Roy, welcome to this show. You know, we start every single episode with your top three actionable takeaway. Let's get your three. Before that, I want to say one small sentence that there is no such as one strategy. There are many strategies. Do what works for you. And if you see that it doesn't work, change and try to adjust it to your own personality and your own character. It could work for one person, but it could not work for the other person. So that's very important to think and to know that if you're an SDR or BDR. So my first tip is do some homework. Yes, you're here to sell, call, send emails, get prospects, and in the end, get money. But if you will send out 100 emails to the wrong people, you just won't get what you need. Sometimes less is more. So if you do the right homework, you'll find the right prospect who needs you right now or who will need you after you reach out to them. A good tool is Crunchbase. I use Crunchbase all the time. It's a platform to find public companies, private companies, investments, founding members, et cetera, et cetera, especially if you're aiming C-level targets. You have to get a personal touch with your prospects. So Crunchbase shows you everything that happened within that prospect so you can reach out and tell him, for example, congrats on your recent funding, congrats on the round A, B, C, et cetera. Make it personal, but get to the point. Point B is LinkedIn. Everyone and everybody uses LinkedIn, especially people in the tech field. See what they're posting and react to their post and reach out to, uh, to them after you know exactly who they are and after you read a few of their posts or comments, etc. Number three is find email addresses and phone numbers if possible. Send him a personal email a few sentences and afterwards an automized email after a few days from my experience people start to react if they do they will reply to your second or third email i love what you said about homework and the about less is more let's say i start as a sdr or bdr and we have an idea about who is my target persona but I'm, but we're not, we're not sure. What would be your best tip to define the person that you should attack? First of all, before you attack a person, you should know your product slash service in the best way possible. Do your homework about what you're selling. If you're selling a service that is meant for a huge decision maker, such as a CEO or a COO, you'll aim for him. It depends on what you're selling. And the more you know what you're selling, the more you know who you're trying to achieve. But as I said, first of all, you need to do some homework about what you're selling, your service or product. The more you know what you're selling, the more you know who you should be selling that service or product to. You look a little bit on Crunchbase, the company, and you see the people who are within that company And you try it out. You try uh, the COO first, if it's something that he would need as a decision maker. You see that this doesn't work, you try to reach someone else. In your case, can you walk me through how you identify who might need your product and why? So I run the business development for a company called Perception Box. We scale up startups, SMBs, and SMEs with remote developers. So I've got two possible clients, a client that is hiring only in-house 
and a client that is only hiring remote or that is thinking of hiring remote as well. So if I see on the company's career page that they're only hiring in-house and nothing remote and they never hired remote in the past, there are small chance I will actually reach out to him, but the chances are smaller than if I see a company that has already offices abroad and that works with remote teams anywhere in the world. This helps me finding the right client. And when I have the right client, I start to dig who are the decision makers? Who are the people who work there? CEO and then COO, co-founders, CTO, CMO, business development managers. I usually reach out to the higher people in the, within the company, within the startup, because the COO, in my case, will also do the most of the decisions of partnerships within that startup. But every company works within, you know, it's something else. So you got to see the size of the company and how they work. Good. I actually like the tips of going to the career page. This is actually something that I did a lot. You will find a lot of information on the, on the career page of any companies, where they want to go, what are their challenges right now? Because at the end of the day, when you want to hire someone, it's because you have a problem and that you, you, you don't know how to solve it. So you mentioned you go top first. Can you walk me through your first approach to the CEO, for example? I work with a tool called Outreach. This helps me reaching out to everyone that I am looking for to reach out to. So I built a sequence, seven sequences who are spread out uh, within 10 days. So I find, as I said, I look into a company, I look at the career period, I see that it's a relevant client for me. I start to dig in on Crunchbase and I see who the decision maker is. I found the COO of company X. I add him into my leads list and I start approaching it with sequence number one. Sequence number one and two is day one, an introduction. Email, who am I, what we're trying to do. It's a very, very short email, but with a CTA, call to action at the end of the email. Basically, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to set up a, a meeting if I don't have his phone number. If I do have his phone number, I will call him first and then send an email depends on on what I have, on the information I've had. Send, I'm sending them an email with introduction and then with a call to action to set up a meeting. 30 minutes later, I give them a call if I have a number. If I don't have a number, I am waiting for a reply of him, of her, or I'm waiting to get to my second sequence. Let's step back a little bit. What a first email would look like so the first email is, hi, X. I have noticed that you have a few positions and I would love to help you fill those in. We work with many startups, SMBs, SMEs in Israel and worldwide, for example, X, Y, Z, and many more. It usually takes us up to one week to find remote top-notch developers. We provide you a proposal with a relevant developers for you to choose from. Interested? Let's have a quick chat. I look forward to hearing back from you. Best regard, Roy. Nice. Neat. If you have a number, how does it look like when you call someone that don't know you? So most of the time, they will kind of question who are you and how did you get my number? They won't say it, but from their 
voice or from them not answering my first question, I have a feeling that they're asking me, where did you get my number? But I, I put that aside because it's a part of the game. So I get the number. If I do get the number, I give them a call. Hi, John. My name is Roy. I'm calling for Perception Box. I hope this is a good time to speak. I've heard many people that say, ask, don't ask him or tell him uh, that it's a good time to speak. But you never know what that person is doing right now. Maybe he's eating breakfast, lunch, dinner, watching a TV show, being with his wife or husband. So you never know what he's doing. And I'm trying to be polite but assertive. So I do tell him, I hope this is a good time. Most of the time he will tell me, I've got five minutes to spare, make it quick. Or he tells me, listen, this is not a good time. So I offer him to call him back in an hour or to call him back tomorrow morning if it's late during the day. So I hope this is a good time. Um, I'm calling for a perception box. I'm calling because I see that you're hiring uh, developers and I wanted to know if um, you're hiring remote developers, if, if remote is something that you're looking into, especially during COVID-19, that people are actually working from home and that the offices are closed. That's it. I wait for him to answer. And according to his answer, I continue my conversation or route A that is relevant. And we set up a meeting to have a structured call and to offer him what we're offering and to see how we can help him. Or maybe it's unrelevant because they're not hiring remotely. Okay, awesome. Tell me uh, on a regular day, how many people you enter in, in these cadences? So it depends. It depends on the day. Sometimes I get 20 inbound leads and oh, I okay. take care of them before I start outreaching. I'm the only one dealing with the leads as per now in my company. So basically it's, it's a one-man show dealing mm -hmm. with everything by myself. So mm -hmm. I have to prioritize the calls that I do or I take care of inbound, which is more important or one day I take care only of the outbound. But I could say that I speak to 30, 40 people a day. Okay, cool. You actually have to prioritize your day and what you do. What a typical day look like in your life as a one-man show, like you mentioned? So it's a good question. I open my computer after eating breakfast and putting everything aside that I can be actually devoted to the job. I open my tasks for the day with outreach. Outreach gives me all the tasks I need to do, I have to call people, I have to reply to people, to have to add people on LinkedIn, to have to approach them on LinkedIn. It gives me basically what I have to do for the day. After I've did that, I check my LinkedIn page, my LinkedIn feed. Do I see people hiring? Do I see acquisitions? Do I see people got promoted to being a CEO? And then that's a good lead for me to reach out to if he's hiring. I spend 30 minutes scrolling on LinkedIn and a bit on Facebook and on Twitter, because you can find very, very useful information on Twitter as well. People just don't know that. Uh, but a lot of tech news and updates are on Twitter. And I go a little bit on Crunchbase, see what's going on there, check my emails. I check my emails right away when I wake up, so I know exactly who already reached out and who do I need to reach out to. And um, I start calling people. I start getting new numbers, new leads. Uh, getting in touch with my marketing division who are abroad, who are not in Israel. And before I know, it's already 5 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get you. Okay, you mentioned like some 
LinkedIn. Let's dig into that. What a connection request look like in your world? I'm a strong believer in not sending empty connection requests because if someone never heard about me and he gets a random request, he will or accept it or deny it. And then I'm only one part of his 1,000, 2,000 friend list on LinkedIn. And I want to avoid that. So I do believe that if you're offering a service, which I do, or you're offering a product that whenever you did your homework, you know that that is your prospect that you want to reach out. So you know that he needs you or he doesn't know that he needs you yet. And he will know that he needs you after your email, LinkedIn slash call. So I always send him a small message such as, hi, I've noticed that you have a few positions and I would love to help you filling those in. It usually takes us up to one week to find you remote top-notch developers interested, left a quick chat. Look, and again, a CTA looking forward to hearing back from you. Last night, I've got an answer from a request that I've sent that template within the message and I have a call with him today. So I do believe in send uh, requests with text. It will get you a higher chance of response rate than if you send a blank or empty message request, friend request. Okay, so so let's say you don't hear about the guy. He doesn't accept your, your LinkedIn connection request. Then what? So I add him to my sequence. Step one, send him an email or then call him. And then step number two, send him a reminder. It's an automatized email. And then it goes to step number three, adding him on LinkedIn, which I already did. And step number four, it's basically the last call slash email to remind him that you've sent him something. Because again, it's not spamming the customer, it's offering something he needs. If he wouldn't need my service or product, I will never I would never reach out to him. And if he goes on to sequence number seven, never replied, opened or not opened my email, never answered my call, I go on to nurturing. And nurturing is very interesting. You show up on his LinkedIn feed as a campaign, and then he will notice you showing up on his LinkedIn feed slash Facebook slash Twitter. And a lot of times out of my personal history and experience, he will send you an email. I've got many emails from people who are like, I saw you on LinkedIn and uh, yeah, let's, let's chat. What do you have to offer? Interesting. So unresponsive, completely unresponsive leads, they get targeted with your LinkedIn campaigns or, or Twitter or, or Facebook. And they usually reply, even though they didn't reply to emails. Oh, that's interesting. You mentioned the follow-up email. If your prospect did not reply to the first email, how does it look like a follow-up email? Hi, John. Just checking in if, to see if you received my last email. I was wondering, how is the hiring going? Have you been able to fill in those positions? We at Perception Box are here to accelerate this process. Feel free to reply to this email so we can talk it over. Short and simple. Okay, so you actually ask a, a question here. Interesting. Let's move forward and about the automatization that you mentioned in your third tip. How, how does it work for you? So I automize the email that will be sent automatically after 
four dates if he did not reply. If he replied, the sequence is over because if it's relevant or it's not relevant. If it's relevant, we go on to a meeting, a demo, and if he's not interested, he's disqualified. Sometimes you can add some personal value. For example, you saw, you realized that your lead that you reached out um, four days ago had raised $10 million. So you don't want, you want him to notice you, but not as a spam email, but as an email with value. So you go into the sequence, you go onto his email and you add that. And after four days, he, he will get that email with that personal information and he will tell him mm, that person made some homework and he knows what he's talking about. Let's see what he has to offer because I can see that he's hiring, that he has developers to offer. I am hiring. Let's see if it's a good fit. Okay, so you, you, you fish for some personal information that you insert in your cadences, right? Right, correct. Okay, nice. Tell me, so you handle inbound and outbound. What are the key differences for reps that are probably in your situation? And what would be the, the best practice that you, you could give away the main differences on how you handle inbound and outbound? Inbound is much easier. He, for example, has um, a startup and he's um, looking to hire developers remotely. So it's basically a almost a done deal, I would say. You have to be a gentleman on the phone. You have to know how to speak and you have to see what he has to, what he's looking for, and then basically offer him what he's looking for. You have to remember that he reached out to you after you saw a campaign, after he saw your post on LinkedIn, after he knows about it. So it's much more easier to close the deal afterwards. If you have to do outbound, it's much harder because in Israel, you can't find numbers. It's very, very hard to find numbers. So if you only have an email, you have to hope that he will actually open his email and that your email will be creative enough for, uh, for him to actually want to reply to that email. Now, if you do a, a sequence with automatized email, most of the time, the reply will come after the second or third email and not after the first email, especially if we're at home all day long. People not always in front of the computer, people with their children, people are doing this or that. So they need to get you on their radar a few times for them to start responding to your email if, if they do respond. So a tip I would give is if you don't get an email, just continue sending an email and continue sending an email to another prospect and don't lose hope because outbound campaigns, outbound leads can be very, very, very tough and could get you lose your hope, but um, the sun will always rise and you will always find if your product is good enough and you believe in your product and service, you will find the right person. And that person could direct you also to another client who could need you and would want to need you. So that's my tip. Don't lose hope, continue, send out those emails, call those people. Even if you get 100 rejections, you'll get an approval of the 101 and that approval will make everything worth it in terms of uh, in terms of time management let's say you're in your outreach you're you're sending some request or email working on your cadences and then boom an inbound leads arrive how does it work you take the inbound you stop what you do and what's your trick if it happens the whole day like that 
So I like to be, I'm a very structured guy. I need to finish what I started. So I finished first dealing with that outbound. Do it as quickly as possible, but as good as possible and put it aside. Then when I close that chapter of that inbound lead, I take care of the inbound lead. I like to do, to mingle from one thing to the other, but not before closing that outbound and then going to that inbound lead. Okay, nice. We talked about a lot of the good stuff. Uh, we haven't talked about bad habits, but if there is one habit mm-hmm. to break for sales and spread out there, what would it be? A big mistake that I see that is in my mind a mistake is, especially if we're talking about outbound campaigns, get to the point. Especially if your call is being answered by your prospect, get to the point. The call is very valuable. The first 10 seconds will decide if you're going into a possibly deal or he's going to hang the phone on you and not being interested. So you have to say right away, I hope this is a good time to speak. I'm calling for perception box. I can see that you're hiring front-end developers. We scale up teams of remote developers up in two weeks. That's it. People tend to waste time with being funny, funny intros, being interested. People don't care about if they get a call, if I get a call from someone that wants to sell me something, a service or a product, I wanted to get to the point. We can get funny or personal afterwards when it's going to the right way. So avoid not getting to the point. That is very, very crucial, especially if someone answers the phone. You've got 10 seconds Take it or leave it. All right, guys, get straight to the point. That's loud and clear. Okay, so before we jump off, Oi, do you need anything from us? First of all, I want to help. I like helping Olim, people that came from abroad like I did. When I came from Belgium, I had zero connections, zero help to get into the tech field. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I've shared a list with over 500 people that signed up to find a job. If you're still looking for a job or if you're looking to change, look, this this list is being shared with many, many recruiters all the time. And I keep on getting success stories all the time. That is one thing. If you are hiring developers uh, for your startup and you're considering remote hiring, get in touch with me and let's chat. All right, Roy, thank you. Awesome, thank you, Ilan.